by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Our goal, if you want to know what's my heart uh, going forward, it's for us to, to be able to sustain our enough uh, Economics that instead of, uh, you know, get us a place, get us, get this church established, and then instead of, you know, me and Angie taking a raise or something, maybe taking on an associate pastor role and beginning to be able to pay someone to be full time ministry that I can train up and then plant them in a new church plant somewhere. And, uh, and we probably pay their salary until they can get it up and running. It would be still part of our church salary uh, until they can get the church up and running. And then once their church is up and running, they can pay the, the salary. Then we can take that salary and start on our next church plant. I'd love to see us have more than abundance of finances to be able to raise up new ministers, begin to plant churches. I don't see us. I'm sorry. I hadn't thought about it a whole lot, but I don't see us as a big major Super church, we call them mega church. Um, I see us as a bunch of smaller churches with real live ministers that are exercising their gifts but just have the same heart and the same core core values who will continually expand and reproduce, right? <clears throat> so that's that's where we, we're hoping to go to spread this gospel quickly. You know, if we were over in Africa, I can tell you right now, we'd have home churches everywhere, and every one of you would probably be a pastor somewhere already. We'd have already done planted you. That's the way they do it over there. They don't mess around. But over here, we're trying to, we're kind of in, the, in between. We don't want this church to have to be a mega church before we plant other churches. We want to get started just as soon as we possibly can, planting other churches. Um, biggest needs of improvement. These are things he asked, you know, that we fill out. Getting our children back in church. What are the steps, practical steps? Step one, continue to staff our children's area for when the children do come. I wrote this at a time when we had no children coming. And Miss Anita and Miss Denise and others have been back there faithfully ready for if the children did come. We had seven last week. Step two. That's good. Yeah, she's, she's gifted. Step two, expand our reach with Kingdom Kids online church service. Um, I can't help but think that that, that online service, that, that Kingdom Kids program that we produced is there for a reason God gave, put it on our heart, and I think it can be used to grow these children. Uh, practical steps to make the improvement. Step three, reach out to young parents who have stopped attending. So that would be up to the leaders of that group to you know, make that a priority. Help needed from Dr. Vickers and our central office. We need your confidence, your wisdom, your support, and your having our back in these trying times has been more than we can ask for. They have been with us and believed in us, encouraged us every step of the way. Comments. Thanks for all the confidence you have shown towards Angie and I. 
These past years have been really trying. We've been broken more deeply than I could ever have expected. Yet I feel we have much more faith and desire to see God's will accomplished now than ever. We are so excited to be part of the Passion Church family. And that's true. Um, Next you see a graph. This graph is kept on the wall uh, next to Angie's office. If you didn't know, it's there, the leadership chart and the the current schedules of the different departments is on that that little bulletin board. Um, If you didn't know that's there, that kind of gives you a rundown of everything. And you see where it says coronavirus limitations in yellow. Basically, the whole year last year was limited because of COVID virus. In other words, I'm just letting you know this ain't our typical year. Our outreaches have come to a screeching halt because they won't let us in the jail. They won't let us in the nursing homes. They won't let us in the youth villages. Uh, people's wearing masks. It's all, we, we almost need to sit down and have, figure out a different way to minister to people. We've done our best by reaching out online. That's what we said, okay, well, that's the only thing we can do. Let's do that. It's, it's, it's really heartbreaking, the children's situation, the not being able to minister the way we want to. These are all limited for this year. Um, you can see some things remain the same. Passion Prayer did well. The adults in the service in April, May, zero. You know, that was a time. It really wasn't zero if you count the production team that was here, probably 10, 10 people that kept it alive during those months online. Yes, sir? Did these tasks like our online? Just in person. These are just in-person numbers. Uh, that was something we could try to keep up with, but that who understands them Facebook numbers? I hadn't been able to. Yeah, there were people online watching. You can see the children took a dive. Um, the totals in January, January and February were 42 each month to zero to zero to zero to 12, 10, back to zero. Uh, giving. Our annual budget uh, is $162,000 a year. That would require each month a total of $13,500 com- to come in each of the 12 months would Total up to that $162,000 budget, which is what required to keep the lights on, to pay my salary, Angie's salary, um, the insurances, and the, everything that everything that makes us who we are, the light bill, uh, all of that is included in that budget. Uh, last year, our total given was $146,700, which leaves a deficit of $15,300. That's how short we were to meeting our financial obligations last year. Um, understandably, a lot of churches didn't even survive from last year. Uh, but just to let you know, the year before, we had had some people leave the church that were big givers, uh, and we had a deficit the year before, too. So these last two years, we have seen the value of being a church that's not out here on our own. If we were still an independent church, we would we would be... And we might not be in this building right now, but Pastor Vickers and the other churches, you know, have taken up our slack for the past two years. But I'll let you see this. It's it's common knowledge. It's out there for you to see. Uh, I don't tell everybody from the pulpit that we're not making our bills right now. 
But as leaders, I'll let you know, you know, that, that we, need to, <clears throat> we need to believe God for bigger. Uh, now I'm going to call up Angie and let Miss G-Force Angie give her prepared remarks. Usually. Mm-hmm. Hello. Uh, I'm impressed and thankful that of everything we did last year. I mean, considering everything, I don't know what was fixing to happen if we'd have money at all, or you know, if bills. So, considering everything, it was better than I was thinking it was going to be when it was happening in the middle of it. You know, so as far as money and, and our us being able to stay above ground and just keep doing something, you know. Uh, he talked about the year of manifestation last year, and I, I, somebody else mentioned this to me, so don't give me credit for it. I can't remember if it was Nicholas or Mary or somebody at one point said, you know, w- we did manifest things last year. You know, well, the way we thought it might it was going to be manifested, maybe not, but that was our thinking. God could have had different plans of how things will be manifested. And so, you know, we still uh, overcame and thought up brand new ways to do church and stayed going and did, you know, so much. So uh, I'm thankful, and it was definitely a growing time. So, um, uh, and just, I thank God for Guy, you know. I didn't have this written down, but give him some credit. (laughs) He just, you know, y'all know, I hope y'all know, he is fully 100% sold out. You know, his heart is to do and what God wants him to do and has put on his heart. And, uh, you know, he he struggles and wants to know why things aren't happening, but he's doing all he can do. I'll tell you that for sure. In spite of me always saying, he, I don't, you probably don't want to do that, you know. <laughs> he's the good cop, I'm the bad cop, but we level out in the end. But anyway, he, he does great, and I'm thankful for him. He's, you know, the steady, you know, I don't know if y'all know the name Guy, uh, the meaning of it is what is it? Uh, he's told me it's a. It's to secure the the word guy is like a, a it's this guy, wire. guy wire. It's to secure something steady, to secure something steady, something going up or down, and he is that in my in our marriage and in our family, and he's that in this church. He is there to secure and help you and help everybody that comes through here. So it's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> okay, now I'll start. I'm probably going to just read what I wrote so I don't ramble too much and I just felt like this is what God gave me. So um, I wanted to thank you all for coming today. We value you very much and your time. I know it's a big deal to give up your Saturday. You know, everybody works all week and then sometimes Saturday's the only day you have and church on Sunday so we really thank you all for being here and we believe God will bless you for being here we appreciate everything you do more than you know we cannot do this alone Um, there are many new faces here it's been such a blessing watching you all grow and seeing the gifts and callings that God has placed in you and I loved going around the room hearing that that was I just love testimonies and I loved you know that's just such a blessing to me I thank God here and just all I love to hear how people came and walked in the door and just where they are now and, and where God's brought them. And, um, you, all ha- you all minister to me more than you ever know. Sometimes I, feel em- I have felt empty with nothing to give, 
and you and you have all ministered to me and built me up and encouraged me <clears throat> and seeing what God has done in you blesses me and has shown me that there is life in this church there is life it's alive God's success is not in the numbers or the way man sees success it is in changed lives and I see that so much in all of you <clears throat> this week as I was praying freaking out all week, thinking, what am I going to say? <laughs> uh, God gave me this verse through a friend. It was uh, Romans fifteen five. May God, who gives patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems the whole world... It seems the whole world has gone crazy, and there's more strife and division than ever, even in the body of Christ and in church. We are surrounded by so much in the world, I think we almost don't see it creeping into the church and church family. We have to be careful and seek God on how to keep our eyes on him, see people the way he sees them, and always, always choose love. Without love for people, all the knowledge or church attendance in the world is just noise. I know I read Christian articles and stuff on internet all the time, and, and it's just afterward, you know, people comment. And it's Christians reading these articles and commenting, and it's just like any other thing you read. People just tearing each other apart, shredding each other, and it's just so much in the church and in Christian things, it, it breaks my heart because I feel like, I mean, if there's no, even if we think we're debating over godly issues, that's just not how God works, you know, and it's not drawing people to, to him. <clears throat> okay. Um, leading people can be difficult, no matter who you are. Interestingly enough, I have been reading the, uh, I've been doing a Bible study this year since January, the chronological Bible study. In the past few weeks, I've been studying Moses bringing out the Israelites. People are hard and messy from the beginning of time. But one thing I have seen through my reading is that God is so loving and merciful and forgiving. Even when he gets angry, Moses begs for mercy for the people and God forgives. He wants them so badly to get it. Just like we do for our children and for people coming in the doors here. We want them to just be free of things that, you know, we see them struggling with for so long. <clears throat> I myself have struggled in the past couple years in ministry. I have allowed past hurts or constant complaints of people to wear me down. I have allowed myself to focus on the negative and the hurts more than all the good and the life here. And instead of remembering all God has done and focus on that, there's so much, like just sitting in services like this or any time I've seen Cindy or Joe and so many people do things, it's like I'm always reminded there is good things happening, there's life, you know, but when you go home and all you focus on is yourself and this and the problems, you know, that's what you see. It's the, it's a, there's a saying, what you magnify will be magnified. So God's been teaching me that lately also about uh, what I focus on and being thankful, living in thankfulness and gratefulness. And it's not easy to do when you're used to kind of always seeing the negative first. You have to learn to practice it. And so I'm trying to do that, you know. Um, I feel like there are many new people here fresh and excited, but I feel like there are some of you like me who have been here a long time, been through a lot, and have let it wear you down. Walking with God, leading people, and discipling people is a lifelong thing. I know I have thought 
I don't want to leave. I thought this was going to be different. <laughs> you know, it's hard. I just want to be here, Lord. I just want to love you, but, but, and love people from a distance, you know, because hurt makes you want to put up walls and step back. And, um, but God is in the people business. It's what he does. So it's what we do. We cannot do this without him. We have to feed our spirit daily, just like we feed our bodies food daily. I had a friend tell me once I was trying to run a marathon by doing ministry when I haven't eaten. You know, I'm just, you know, you, you get so, you feel like you're, you know, God, you know, all this stuff you're doing, you know, you come to church every day, work, you're here all the time. Everything about what we do, we do, especially is church and God and ministry, but there's such a fine line of knowing all this and not spending time with him and truly not making it about all this, but just spending personal time with the Lord. Uh, it would be impossible for me to run a marathon if I had not, you know, been training for it and fed my body for it. To love people, to, leave pe- to lead people, we have to keep our eyes on, on Jesus, spend time with him, and pray and ask him to help us see people the way he sees them and to walk in love even when it's difficult. We can't allow hurts or forgiveness or even just difference in personalities to cause us to be offended or even leave where God has planted us. And that's the goal of what the enemy wants. Is he, wants people, yes, he wants people to leave church. And we've known millions of people that leave that just do church at home because it's just too hard to deal with these people. They hurt me. And some reason, everybody you know at church, when it hurts, it hurts different than other friendships. You know, I was thinking about that. Like, I've had other friends that come and go out of my life. But something about church stuff and us serving God together, when it, when they go, it, it just seems like it's a deeper wound or something. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, it, the enemy wants us to be offended, to be hurt, to leave from serving God, and, and therefore there's no people here to be, bring in the new people. I wanted to encourage you, if there are people you struggle with here or wherever, their personalities... Pray and ask God to give you a love for them and to try to go out of your way to be friendly to them. Okay, I'm almost done. <laughs> uh, I read this recently in part of the Bible study I've been doing. It says, A long obedience in the right direction is how one theologian describes the Christian journey. Most of the Christian life is just that, obedience. Sometimes tiring obedience. When understood, joyful obedience. I thought that was really good. This is what God intends for the church to be like when the different pieces of his body, each redeemer sinner, fulfill their purpose in unity and in love, and the glory of the Lord falls on his people. The church becomes what he always intended it should be, a showplace for his glory. Believe it or not, God intends his, this experience for the local body of believers. Even though they exhibit flaws, hurts, and struggles, they allow Jesus to shape them by his spirit so that the body fits together and functions as one. <clears throat> and then I'm going to read the verse again. And may God, who gives you patience and encouragement, help us all to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Angie. She's pretty terrific. As I was walking down the street back there, on my street back there, praying yesterday, I was just thinking, we're still in this building. 
what am I doing wrong? Lord, do you want to get rid of me? Am I the problem? And I called Angie, and she lifted me up. She began to remind me of all this good stuff that's going on. We all have our moments where we just get in the flesh and think about ourselves, um, and that's why we need each other to encourage one another. Um, Angie, could you go ahead and draw some names? Uh, Nicholas, could you go ahead and come up? Nicholas is going to speak next. Miss Brenda. Go ahead and call another. I'll do it. Okay, so how many you got left? Two names left. So one of them is going to get that, and one of them is going to get what's left there. All right, we'll hold off on that drawing. You can go ahead. All right, for the people listening to this at a later recorded time, my name is Nicholas Mitchell. All right, so I had no idea what any of the other people here were going to say today or how Pastor was going to start off, but he started off talking about focusing and putting time into perfecting what you're best at and what God has given you to do. And he's already popping slides up there. These are old pictures of the church. So if you don't like the way you look a couple years ago, I apologize, okay? <laughs> All right, so these are old pictures. Um, pastor's talking about putting your efforts into what you're best at. And then Mary come up and said the same thing, how she loves helping people. And, and that's true. I know Mary has helped probably everybody sitting here doing amazing things uh, in our lives. But I just want to encourage you guys as we're leading XYZ department or XYZ group, whatever you're leading currently in the church, and maybe that's not where you see yourself totally. I just want to encourage you that God is rewarding you in your faithfulness now. And say, if you have it on your heart that you want to be the pastor of a mega church, and God has showed you that, share that with pastor. Because even where you are right now serving and leading in these specific departments, we want to see you grow into the calling that God has put on you and the vision that he's put in your heart. We want to see you serve where you want to serve. All right, so I'm going to cover three things really briefly Life groups, I'm not going to talk a whole bunch about life groups because every single person sitting here, you lead a group or you faithfully attend a group. So there's not much that needs to be said about that other than I do need help in that. I do need help. It may not be you here because you're already serving multiple places, but I do need help. Specifically, I would love uh, for a woman leader to step up and help minister to our female life group leaders because I'm not doing as good of a job as a woman could do with that where I get to spend time with Joe and Mario and Thomas and talking to them, I would love for a mature woman in the faith that wants to minister to all of the women leaders uh, to step up and do that. But even if a man wants to step up and help me lead that, I can use a man to help me lead life groups as well. All right, so what I'm going to share with you guys today is a personal leadership philosophy. Now, this isn't my personal leadership philosophy for Nicholas Mitchell. This is a leadership philosophy that everybody here can personally apply to your life. So I'm going to ask you not even to look at me. Let's just look at this screen together. So those of you guys sitting there, if you can't see that screen, and we'll go to the next slide. So the personal leadership philosophy has five steps to it. And I want to explain to you how these five steps go together before we dive into each one individually. I promise this is a very short presentation. First one is spiritual formation, growth, and improvement. Before you can lead anybody else, 
You have to be able to lead yourself. You have to put in that time with God and grow yourself personally before you're going to be able to grow anybody else. Second is after you are spending this time with God and growing yourself, it's time to show that to other people. It's time to be the Jane's faith. Show your faith through your works, through examples and actions. So once you're living out this life, once you're showing other people how to do it, now it's time to build those relationships with people, with the family of God, so you're able to communicate these truths that God has shown you to others to share and expand the leadership qualities God is putting yourself into other people. And how are you doing that? Once you have the relationships and people know you care about them and they're ready to receive from you, then you're able to give them advice and to teach them and equip them through the fivefold ministry. And then finally, once you're teaching people that you have these relationships with, then it's time. Discipleship is complete. It's time to replicate them, send out the saints, and see then begin to lead others. So the first one that we're going to look at is spiritual formation, growth, and improvement. So growth and improvement. Moral authority arises out of the mix of personal integrity, one's relationship to God, and the wealth of our relationships to others around us. That's a quote from Alan Hirsch, and I broke this down into three things. Number one, following God's command. We need to integrate Christ-likeness in every part of our lives. We also need to spend time with our Father through spiritual formations, praying, reading the Word, worshiping. And finally, we need to have healthy relationships, spending time with other believers and non-believers outside of church activities. So up next is showing examples and actions, our faith through works. So servant leadership, this is the example that Jesus gave us. Um, not a top-down leadership style, but a leadership style where we are washing people's feet and we are helping them. There's no participation in Christ without participation in God's mission in the world. This is the Missio Dei, the mission of God. Our very lives are our messages, and we cannot take ourselves out of the equation of mission. No one's going to want to follow a leader that's not doing it. We should never ask anybody in the church to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Step three is building relationships with a family God so that you can open up that line of communication with them. So build a relationship so people want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. It doesn't matter how well-spoken you are. It doesn't matter what strategy um, you prepare to make your church department better, to make your group better. If people don't know that you love them and care about them, it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, community and communication lies at the heart of the Holy Trinity and the Trinitarian mission. It was Jesus' prayer that the same relationship that he has with the Father and with the Spirit, we would all have with each other. So it's very important for us to have the community and the communication with each other that God has with himself, with a three-part Godhead. Life groups create opportunities in the church for the congregation to talk back. It's not just us talking to the people in our departments. It's us having a relationship with them, hearing from them, getting input from them, because we don't have all the answers. It's the community working together. Up next, step four is fivefold ministry, equipping, teaching, and advising. So once we have these relationships with people and they're ready to receive from us, then we can begin to teach them and advise them. So these are in uh, the book of Ephesians, the fivefold ministry that Paul lays out for us. 
the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, so these are the five functions that God has given the church to equip the saints. The apostolic is somebody who establishes and extends new missional works. They're good at um, starting departments and helping other people do things and do the ministry. The prophetic function hears from God, understands what God is showing the church, and helping directing God's people in his path. The evangelist communicating the gospel in a way where people are ready to receive from him and expanding discipleship. The shepherd, somebody who oversees people of God by leading, nurturing, protecting, and caring for them. And finally, the teacher communicating God's wisdom for Christians to learn how to obey Christ's commands. Finally, and in case I was losing your attention at this point, I just want to put a picture of some cute kids up there. All right, I know that I know that pork's sitting on all of our stomachs now. So the fifth and final step is sending the saints, discipleship and replication. So discipleship can't stay at the level of watch me do it. It has to change to you go do it. Just like all of us, we're not watching Pastor Guy do something. We all started doing it. We all started leading a department, leading a group, doing these things. And it needs to be the same with us. Like Pastor's saying, we need to work ourselves out of a job. We need to get the people in our departments to start doing it and us stop micromanaging them, but get them to the point where we're going to be able to release them to do the ministry and they don't even need our help to do it anymore. That's our end goal is to get them in a place where they, they're able to replicate others. A disciple church will go out and evangelize. If we're truly making disciples, then our people are going to go out and they're going to win the lost. We're not going to have to do an outreach to get them to do it. They're going to do it themselves. And people need to know they can do the ministry. The pastor is not the only one who can do the ministry. So make it known to your people. Let your people in your departments, your groups, tell them, you can do this. Create opportunities to allow them to do it so they know they have the ability and they don't have to just watch you do it. So recap, step number one of the personal leadership philosophy, if you can hit the backspace button one time for me really quick, is spiritual formation, growth, and improvement. Step two, faith through works, example and action. Step three, the family of God, forming relationships and opening the lines of communication. Step four, teaching and advising, equipping people to do the fivefold ministry. And step five, replicating yourselves in other, discipling and sending out the saints. So now I want to encourage you to go and make disciples. So one last thing before we end today is I'm also now doing the outreach department. So I want to share with you guys uh, our vision for the outreach department right now is not for uh, Pastor and Angie to organize everything or for me to come up with ideas and make it happen. We want the outreaches at Passion Church this year right now in the year 2021 to be organic. Whatever God puts on your heart that you think, man, we could do this and we could get others to come into the church through doing this or we could get the gospel out there by doing something unique, something creative. That's what we want to happen. Like Miss Brenda had an idea. She was just going to open up a, a game day that she's going to do some point in the future and have people from the church just come and hang out. Whatever God's put on your heart for an outreach, what you want to do, be it go door to door or something totally new and unique, just come talk to me about it. And I just want to be there to assist you and empower you and help you go do it or just let you do it all yourself if you already know everything that needs to happen and you know what you want to do. So that's how the outreaches are working right now. Uh, the one 
only outreach that I've come up with for the whole year is right now, uh, before Easter, I want to encourage all of the life group leaders to get everybody in your group to bring somebody to Easter Sunday. Because there's plenty of people in our community right now that have not been to church in an entire year. And Easter may be the breaking point for some people that normally only went to church on Easter and Christmas anyways, and they've been missing it. They haven't been to church in over a year. So I just want to encourage everybody to be getting your people, to invite people, to bring them to the Easter Sunday service. So whatever outreaches you guys may have on your heart and your mind, I just want to encourage you to come talk to me about that so we can make that stuff happen. And that's all I got. Great job, Nicholas. Next we would, uh, Tom, do you have anything you'd like to share? You okay? All righty. Any thoughts at this point? Anything? You just got to say it. Anybody have anything? Good. If we did this once a month or something, it'd probably get tedious and boring, but surely we could stir ourselves up once a year like this, right? And and eat barbecue. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 13, says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. See, the enemy is out there, and he needs to be resisted. If we don't have our armor on, we won't still be standing. But guess what? 2020 happened, and a lot of churches are no longer standing. But we are still standing. We've been through a lot, but the armor of God has prevailed, and we are still standing. We kept the doors open. We learned to live stream, a word that we didn't even know what it meant. We had life groups online. We had our children's church online. Just crazy stuff that we would have never suspected. And in the midst of a pandemic, our missions increased. Our missions given increased probably two or three hundred percent. Our passion prayer never quit. We avoided most of the mask or no mask confrontations <laughs> that people and other churches have split over. The politics and we resisted straying into politics over kingdom business. We focused on kingdom business. That's what brings people together. Politics divides. We never lost sight of our why. That's how we were able to continue to put our head down and keep moving forward. That's how winning's done. I couldn't be more proud of you guys. I know some of you feel wounded right now and like you've been through it. It's been a very, very difficult year. But it it won't always be like this. In fact, walking down that back road this past year, God said that exact 
thing to me. I just read it and reminded myself yesterday. He said, it won't always be this hard. It won't always be this hard. But there are times in life when things get really, really difficult. And guess what? They get really, really difficult whether you're serving God or not. And you might as well be serving God when they get difficult. Kenneth Hagin said, Let us be as watchful after the victory as we are before the battle. I feel like we've won a big victory because we kept the armor on and we're still standing. But he said, be just as watchful after the victory as you are before the battle. That's a good statement because it tells us to be forewarned and forearmed against the devil's strategies. Life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And you can't take your armor off for a minute. When you stand and watch on that wall, you've got to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. You've got to be moving forward or you're moving backwards. If you let your guard down for a second, the enemy's going to come in when you least expect it. You have to resist him at all times. There's, you can't take time off as a Christian. One day, Elijah, the prophet, came to work, and God said, go tell King Ahab that it ain't going to rain for three years. Can you imagine having to go tell the king that? What if I had to go tell President Biden? Look, God said this. You'd, be, you'd feel the weight of having to tell the president anything, right? But he went and told King Ahab what God said. It won't be rain for three, days, three years. Then the king wanted to kill him. And so Elijah's living by a brook, and God is supernaturally feeding him by the ravens. God took care of Elijah in the midst of the pandemic, so to speak, in the midst of the difficult time for three years. Then Elijah gets up one morning for work, whatever he was doing by the brook. And God said, go back and tell Ahab it's fixing to rain. So he goes back and he tells Ahab. And as as he is there, he looks around, what has happened in my absence here? There's 450 prophets of Baal running everything, the devil. 400 prophets of Asherah. Man, this, this whole kingdom is a wreck. And I don't know about you, but if you've watched the news for any moment of time, you see there's prophets of Baal and Asherah all over the place, and the kingdom seems to be a wreck. So Elijah says, we got to do something about this. Let's gather all these prophets up, and let's have a showdown, and let's find out if God is God, let's serve him. And so they have a showdown, and they put their little altars together, and the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they, they're not serving a real God. And there was no supernatural power for them, but Elijah was able to call down fire and destroyed everything. He's just like, poof! And it says, all the people fell down on their face and began to say, the Lord is God. <laughs> Absolutely. Because he was the one who responded by fire. He is the supernatural God. He is the one that brings us the victory. 
Well, Elijah said, let's get rid of these prophets, these false prophets. And they took the 450 prophets of Baal down to the river bank and had them all killed. And all the people were ready to serve the Lord God because they had seen this miracle. But soon as Jezebel, Ahab's wife, hears about it, she's like, if I see, I, 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 I tell you right now, Elijah's fixing to die. Go tell him. And Elijah, who had just faced down 850 prophets in front of the whole entire nation, called down fire from heaven, all of a sudden, after the victory, is afraid of a woman and runs off. He goes and finds himself a solitary broom tree out in the middle of nowhere. And he's just, woe is me. Much as I was doing yesterday, walking down there when I had to call Angie and saying, woe is me. Why is everything against me? After we had just won such a big battle to still be standing in 2020. After 2020. He said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left serving you, Lord. Just go on and kill me. I'm just ready to go. Now, to a Christian, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Let's just go on and get out of here. You know, we've won the big victory. Let's just call it quits right here. Just take me on up. You know, God can do that. If he takes his children to the party and one of them's acting up or something, he can say, he can take them out of there. Come on, you're leaving. You're going with me. You have to leave the party early. And Elijah wanted to leave the party early. It was what he had been through. You, you know, sometimes even after a great victory, that's when you're it's like, <sighs> whether it's a great defeat or a great victory, either way, you, you let your guard down. And if you ain't careful, you ain't got your armor on. I know sometimes after the best rousing sermons I've ever given, I've gone home and found myself wanting to watch something on TV I shouldn't watch or something. And let my guard down almost like I deserve something. We got to be careful. We got to be vigilant or we'll end up like Elijah sitting there wishing that God would just go and take me home. I'm through now. You don't decide when you're through. And you better keep your armor on. Because the devil is like a lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And he's like, just go on, take me. It says the angel of the Lord tapped him. He said, get up and get you something to eat. God had already prepared him a meal. He ate that, went back to sleep, and God woke him up again and says, you better eat some more because there's still a lot of journey ahead. You're going to need it. So he ate that, and he traveled to the mountain that God told him to go to. And he went in this little cave, and God met him there and says, What are you doing here, Elisha? What are you doing here? We don't want to find ourselves, God having asked us what we're doing here. We had a great victory. We let our guard down, and Jezebel done scared us off. And I'm just telling you, Our situation, we've been through a lot, but we can't let our guard down. We can't coast right now. We can't back up. We can't say, that's enough for me. I'm tapping out. You see, 
God spoke to Elijah. And Elijah got back to work. He had another king to make King Abinadad or what is it? King something had or something. He had to install other king. He was a kingmaker. He had other things to do. His course was not finished. And God had to stir him and say, well, I know you've been through a tough thing. I know you won the battle. But that doesn't mean it's over. Life is a marathon. You've got to keep going. And if you don't keep going, I'll have to assign Elijah behind you. And you don't want to quit too soon. We want to finish the course. To hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Those who endure to the end, the same shall be saved. We have to be enduring people. And we can't let victories or defeats cause us to lose sight of the here and now and the tomorrow that's in front of us. Leaders lead. They don't run off into the wilderness and hide. If you find yourself, like Angie said, like I've expressed that I've had the same kind of battles going on, wanting to just coast for a minute, stir yourself back up. That's what we're here to do today is stir you back up. Leaders lead. They don't run. They don't hide. They don't turn into managers of the status quo. We've got to get back to our basics. Now, I'll just tell you, there's no unimportant leadership positions here at the Passion Church. You say, well, my, my department don't mean that much. My little group, don't be deceived. If you're in a leadership position here at the Passion Church, you're in an important position. And if you're not feeling your call anymore, if you're saying, I just don't... I've been in this department for 16 years and I'm just tired. Well, come see me. There is such a thing as a season in your life. Maybe you've run the course. I've been in the children's department for 10 years, been youth. I've moved places. Maybe if you're in a position and you're not feeling it anymore, maybe there is an Elijah that's ready to take the, the mantle. And you're just holding up, and you need to move somewhere else. Maybe there's a different place for you. We're not stuck in the way we do things around here. We want you in the right position. See me or your team leader. Let them know that, hey, I, I'm not feeling this anymore. That doesn't mean you're not a leader anymore. That just means you may be not, not in the right place of leadership. We want you to be where you're supposed to be. We want you to be happy about what you're doing. We want you excited when you come to church. And we're here to stir you up today. I'm 55 years old. Yesterday I was 17. But I'm 55. And if I live to be the average age of a, a male in the United States, probably, what, 72 or something like that. That's just 15, 17 years away from now. I got those few years left if nothing happens before then. I'm wiser than I've ever been. 
I got a better team around me than I've ever had. Things, everything has been working forward to an end. I can't quit now. I've come too far. There's too much left to be done. I don't want to just be another name along the list that didn't get them across the promised land. There's things to do. There'll be people after me. If I was to die tomorrow, one of you would step up and take the reins. And I wouldn't be sad to go home. I would feel like I've done my best. But I want to keep that feeling till the end. I want to be able to say on my deathbed, I've given my all. I've run my race. I've finished my course. And now henceforth is laid up for me a crown. A crown of righteousness to all who will do the same thing. Finish their course and run their race. I want to make my years count. And as I close, let me say this. I'm not asking you to work harder. I know you're already working too hard as it is. I'm not asking for you to work harder. What I'm doing is encouraging you to work smarter. And what I mean by that is stop doing things in the way you've always done it just because it's your tradition. Stop doing things in your flesh. Stop doing things with your carnal ideas, just making it up. I think that'll work. I think this will work. You'll work yourself in a hole. You'll find a rut and just work yourself into a hole trying to do things in your own strength. What I'm saying is work smarter and, and first and foremost develop your relationship with Jesus. Reestablish that as main priority and everything else will come from that. He is the fountain of life. All the ideas that you need, everything that you need is in Christ Jesus. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so in the relationship, I'm encouraging you, if you're dry, you're weary, you're thirsty, he says, come unto me. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. And he will refresh your weary souls. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Come to the water. Come to the water of life and renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody will see it. Everybody will know it. I perceive that that man has been with Jesus. These fishermen and these tax collectors, I perceive they've been with Jesus. And people will want it. Boy, things will start coming a lot easier to you. Everything, the ideas, the vision, the goals, supernatural power. Because you spent time with your life source. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, I'm going to share with you our 2021 goals for a church. And if you're... uh, If you're a department head, then you need to have goals for your department and and you haven't turned them in to me, see me. Or if you have turned yours in, still see me because I want to discuss them with you. I'd like all department heads to 
to schedule some time to be with me in the next month, at least 30 minutes, and let's discuss your goals and those things, okay? And I want to say while I'm on that point, I'm here for you guys. If you need anything, I am not hard to reach. You all have my phone number, right? And I am a resource. I am your servant. I'm, I'm not somebody you can't call. I know a lot of you try to protect me as the pastor and whatever, but I'm too protected. I am. I'm too protected. I need more mushiness. I need more messy in my life. So call me, okay? I want to be involved. I want to help. All right, where, where did the people go? Let's see who we're missing. Let's, let's, uh, any, any comments on what we just discussed? Are some of you weary? It's been a tough year. I think we're all weary. Anybody have any personal issues? <laughs> we all have personal issues. We want to, we want to be honest, right? We probably have more than the, the people that we're trying to lead because the devil is against those who are making advancements in the kingdom of God. But that's more reason we keep the whole armor of God on. If I've learned anything in these last six years is to get up in the morning and to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and, to, and, to, and I, I verbally put on the whole armor of God. Having done all to stand, I stand therefore, having my loins girt about with the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith I shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I put that on, and I put it on. I don't know if I can do it, but I always say, Lord, I put it on for the whole church. But what if I forget one day? Would one of you be there to, to fill in the gap? Man, we have to have each other's backs because the devil, he ain't playing with us anymore. You know, there was a time where he pretended to be your friend, but he knows that ain't, that ain't flying no more. So he's all out your enemy. So we have to protect one another. All right, 2021 goals. To rebuild our kingdom kids and nursery attendance. To create a more successful kingdom kids online kids church. And I think those two may be intertwined. But I think each one must stand alone. Number three, experience great organic church, church growth through life groups. What that means is, Life group leaders have to get it in their heart this year that it's not just about the ones who sign up for your group or the church assigns you or whatever. We have to think of it as an outreach. We have to invite our neighbors. We have to invite the people at our gym. We have to invite the people at our jobs to our life groups. We need to see it as an avenue to bring new people to Christ and invite to our church so that we can grow and disciple them and then thus the multiplication begins. So use life groups as our main form of uh, organic church growth. Number four, realize great personal growth in our people through life groups. That's already, you know, happening. 
And then number five, redesign and rebuild our youth group. Guess what? We don't have a youth group right now. So we got to rebuild it. I'm not just going to sit by and, and watch all these teenagers out there, hopeless and helpless, wandering around, ready for the devil to devour. They need Jesus. We got a whole generation being raised up and taught the wrong things and lied to. And, and they got these devices in their hands. This is a constant source of sin and degradation. We have to reach them. And we have to find the right people to do it and the right methods to do it. But that's something we will accomplish in 2021. Amen? Amen. Improve visitor retention rate by 50%. That means whereas for every 10 people that came a first-time visitor and one stayed and became part of the church, then now this year we want to have two stay. You'd be surprised how many people actually pass through this building as visitors but don't come back. I don't know why, but we want to do everything possible. If they've come through that door, then what better person to try to reach out to than somebody who's already made the bold decision that they're going to step up amongst a bunch of uh, strangers and take that first step into, into our world. We have to value that. We have to do everything we can, even if the devil, you know, every one of them is going to get a new job that next week that works on Sundays, right? Every one of them. If you want a job, we ought to just advertise it. Come to Passion Church one Sunday. We can guarantee you a job for next week on Sundays. But we have to fight. The devil's fighting against it. We fight for it, right? So we, I want you to see people when they come through that door, man. There's anything I can do to help help them stay because they're prime candidate to be a brother or sister in Christ. Number seven, organize and staff a capable video department, and we're much in progress on that already. Josiah is working on that. Um, just going to take a little time that we can. Number eight, provide consistent and professional online church streaming that we can begin to see growth from. You know, I was listening to somebody talk the other day, and they said just about every ministry that's online that is successful, the first couple of years it was like they was feeling like us. We got 10 people watching. We got 12 people watching. They just thought it was no good. But it was because of their consistency and the content. The content has to be there. The consistency and content those, those ministries, he said, they just looked up one year, and all of a sudden they got 150 people watching. Then it began to, you know, that's how it works online. You know, you got 10 people, it's, it's slow getting that ball rolling, but you got 100 people that share it with somebody else. Then that law of exponential growth begins to happen. So we can't quit. There's people online, and we need to reach out to them. Any, any comments on any of these so far? That's right. That's right. And, and who, was it, uh, who was it just said that they heard about us online? Was it you, Sherry, and Miss Brenda? <laughs> look at the return on that one person. Yeah, look at the return. I mean, 
we got to value one person at a time. That's how you grow a church. We want the big numbers, all of a sudden 100 people come. We wouldn't be ready for 100 people if they walked in here. If you, God can't trust you with the one person, he ain't going to trust you with the 100. So we need to value each person that walks in here. We got to visitor retention is much easier than going out there and, and knocking on their door and getting them to come to our church. All right, and then number nine, meet and exceed all our financial obligations and budgets. Stop mooching off our other churches. Uh, the, the need is in the seed. We just have to encourage one another to tithe. Uh, you know, the thing is, is we've been through so many hits, and, you know, the, the, the budget hadn't changed in years and years. You know, it's just some people left, and, COVID hit and everything, and it's just hard times. We, we don't typically have a high society. We don't have a whole bunch of rich people in the church. So we have to depend on everyone to do their part. But God likes it like that. So that's no big deal. Just help me pray that we're not going to be under budget anymore. you got to pray your finances in just like you pray the lost in. You got to believe God for everything. That's the way He set it up. So we're going to do that. Uh, you know, Elijah, he didn't go out with a whimper saying, Woe is me. He went out in a chariot of fire. God stirred him back up, and he got back into the game. And when he did, he passed his mantle on to Elisha at the right time. Elisha didn't have to take Elisha's place. He just stepped into the mantle when it was time. And Elisha left on his scheduled chariot. And so that's the way we're going to leave. None, let's not leave anyone behind. If anybody is feeling like, I don't know if I can keep going or whatever. Don't hide it. Come to me and to Miss Angie or to your leader or somebody. Don't just let things go on. That's what happens is people are so churchified that they're scared to be real if they're in leadership. We have established one thing today, if nothing else, that we're all real. And so let's be real with one another. If, you, if you're hurting, if you need to take a time, some time off for a season. I've never told anybody that they shouldn't take time off. I've suggested it. We're wanting to work with you what's the best plan for you. That you can finish your course and run your race. And we're here for you. So please use me and Angie as a resource we're here for you. We want what's best for you. It's about people. It's not about... Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.